What's up, everybody? It's Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You listen to the Pace Rules Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pace Rules on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Rules Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the NBA in-season tournament semi-finalist Indiana Pacers coming off a incredible victory against the Boston Celtics in the quarterfinals of the in-season tournament in its first year. An incredible sentence, not one that we thought we'd be saying six weeks ago, eight weeks ago when the season started. But here we are, a victory, 122 to 112. They played defense in the second half. That third quarter was pivotal, 37 to 23 was the score in that one. Tyrese Halliburton was once again magnificent. We'll talk about him. We'll talk about the other guys that contributed in big minutes off the bench as well. But Alex... Now we await the result of Milwaukee and New York Knicks tomorrow. And whoever wins that game is going to Vegas and facing the Pacers for a chance in the finals. Yeah, remember last week I said it might be a, a dangerous week for our boys going to Miami, then Vegas. So <laughs> we're in we're in store for an interesting in. one. But uh what what a win, man. What a win. Yeah, the the Bucks and Knicks game will be interesting. Uh, selfishly, I don't really want to see Giannis drop another 50 points against oh, no. us. So no. I might be rooting for the Knicks, which makes me uh, like shiver to say that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it, that, that, it would be uh, all time for us to defeat the Knicks in the semis and LeBron in the finals. True. Can I just say that would Ooh. be that would be an incredible week for this franchise, the greatest week in this franchise's history, I dare say. If we defeated Boston, Larry Bird's team, then we defeated New York. And then we defeated the, our arch nemesis, the guy that's beaten us up for the last 20 years, LeBron James, in the finals. That would be incredible. Absolutely incredible. The other team that has made the semifinals is the New Orleans Pelicans. They defeated Sacramento by 10 points. All of our hopes and dreams of a DeMarcus Sabonis, Tyrese Halliburton final mm-hmm. were dashed by Brandon Ingram and the like. And now the Pelicans await the winner of the Los Angeles Lakers and the Phoenix Suns in the other quarterfinal playing tomorrow. So two powerhouse teams, really. I mean, you've got LeBron or you've got KD and you've got a situation where uh, you've got either New Orleans, Phoenix or LA. I think you ask any Pacers fan who they would like to play and they would say New Orleans 10 times out of 10. If you ask them who they'd like to play out of Milwaukee in New York, they, of course, would love to play the New York Knicks uh, and particularly beat the New York Knicks in the semifinals. Um, but now we've rabbited on about the tournament, about who's going to make it, the games left to go. It's time that we bring back an old friend who's uh, just wandered onto the call. I don't know whether he was invited or not, but he's decided to crash the party anyway. He's <laughs> so excited about the Pacers making the semifinals. Our mate Justin, welcome back to the show. You've uh, you've sort of taken a little mini step back. You're still our friend. You're still going to be on the show from time to time. But we thought we had to get you on after that performance. How how amazing was that? Yeah. Hey boys, thanks for having me on again. It's uh, it's good to be back after my little hiatus. And yeah, what a win. Um, yeah, huge game. I'm sure you guys have already touched on it or will. But um, yeah, pace Indiana crowd was just rocking. I think that was playoff atmosphere and probably. Something I haven't watched since probably that New York semi-final at home or the Miami Eastern Conference finals days. I don't know what you two guys think. 
It was probably the the only one I can remember in the last five years was that Cleveland series where we lost on the yeah. goal ten. That's that's the closest we've come. But I think you're right. The crowd hasn't been like that since the heyday of the Paul George, David West, Roy Hibbert teams, which uh, Lance teams, which is crazy to think about. And they've got something to cheer about because they've got a bona fide superstar on the team. We haven't spoken to you this season yet. Tyrese, once again, magnificent, 26 points, 10 rebounds, 13 assists. Um, the craziest number for me is the zero turnovers, given his usage rate, given how much he has the ball in his hands and how everything works through him. The opposition know that he's going to be the guy with the ball in his hands, but they still can't get it out of his hands and into theirs. Yeah, he's, he's a freak, isn't he? And I know Alex put a tweet out recently about when the Pacers got Halliburton, probably we all thought he was good, but I don't think any of us knew he would be this good. Like, He's entering that superstar level of players where you're talking about probably what the top 10 best players in the league. I, I honestly think he's in that echelon now. His, his statistics are off the charts. Like his last five to 10 games numbers are ridiculous. And he came out, obviously he talked in the post game press conference today. He was obviously unwell and sick. He said he couldn't breathe in the first half and he looked real timid, um, which was surprising to me because I thought he'd, you know, he's talked about, wanting to win in the playoffs and this was kind of a playoff type game. So I thought he'd come out really strong and look to perform, but yeah, he's real timid in the first half, but boy, when we needed him in that fourth quarter, did he deliver? He was unbelievable. And Alex, I want to talk about another guy who was great. um, And that is Aaron Neesmith. He played down the stretch. He played 31 minutes. He's really played a defensive role for this club. We've spoken about it this season already, but the fact that he was on the floor in the last four minutes against the best, arguably the best team in the Eastern Conference speaks volumes for not only Rick Carlisle's, you know, respect for Neesmith's game, but his defensive ability, his ability to knock down the occasional three-point shot. He finished with 14 points on six of 10 shooting. Didn't really get all that many other stats from a box score bandit point of view, Justin. But <laughs> Alex, it, Aaron was incredible uh, as he's been all season. And with Obi sort of ascending as well, we're starting to see what the power forward rotation should look like, the one that we wanted at the start of the season. I was about to say, that's how we know Justin's back when box score bandit comes out, mate. <laughs> we haven't heard that on the podcast in about six months. I had to boss it uh, out. Yeah, yeah. Does this classify as a revenge game for Aaron? I usually sure. played them a bunch. Why not? Why not? Um, yeah, that that fourth quarter was huge. Had that rotation block against Tatum. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the two little he did. That was a, a bit egregious. He, he, I think he hit uh, Derek White to the ground and put his hand on the on the floor. So, wow. yeah, he he was talking. His, uh, he was talking his crap this game, but I respect it. Um, and yeah, he's just one of those guys. I think I talked about this when when he signed the extension. He's one of those guys that won't always show up in the box score, but you just want that type of player on your team. He's going to make the the winning type of plays. Had that charge towards the end of the third as well. So uh, as you said, the box score bandits might not love him every night, but but we do here. So that's what really matters, mate. Another guy we've got to talk about, Justin, is Buddy Heald. He's been inserted into the starting lineup of late at the expense of Benedict Matherin. We've been kind of up and down on Matherin over the last couple of years on this show. Uh, I think you predicted that he'd be a better player than Tyrese Halliburton. Now that you're back on the show, I had I had to bring that up as well. Jeez, but that's you a know, throwback. He, he got yeah, he got 16 points today. He he you know he plays a role off the bench, but he hasn't been able to stick in that starting lineup and the shooting that Buddy provides. 
along with the defense that Bruce Brown provides, appears to be kind of the right mix for this team if it wants to win and win now. Yeah, you just bring me back on the show to throw bombs at me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, why not? I don't know when you're coming back again, so I may as well throw a few. Yeah, send him out. Um, yeah, no, you're right. I think we all know Buddy plays so much better with Tyrese on the court. Um, even, you know, Buddy hit that huge three-pointer after Tyrese's four-point play today, and that was Halliburton from the, uh, the inbound pass with five seconds left on the shot clock finding him. Um, you know, they can read each other's mind a touch. So maybe Buddy was the right move in the starting lineup. You know, Bruce Brown's up and down for me as well. I feel like, you know, everyone talks about his defense, but he can get beat quite a bit as well. And sometimes his offensive output isn't fantastic. So maybe it's a long-term succession, putting Matherin in the lineup over Bruce Brown. I'm not too sure. We we know Matherin's had a real up-and-down season. You know, the game against Milwaukee, he looks like the future, you know, Anthony Edwards. And then he's had some poor games where, um, you know, he gets pulled. And I will say, you know, Rick Carlisle, Matherin asked for a bet. He is so not harsh, but he he has a very short leash. When Matherin makes a mistake, he's pulled, and if it's in the second half, he's not coming back on the court. Um, yeah. And it's good because Matherin's told, I want to be coached hard, which is awesome. But, you know, Buddy Hield, I'll say against that Miami game, he was about one for 16. He was just letting them fly, and he didn't, he didn't see the bench. So it is very interesting. It's kind of a be careful what you wish for thing for Matherin, Alex, because he, he's being coached hard. We saw a kind of phantom-like tweet a few days ago. It's kind of a good thing that we didn't record against the, after that first Miami game because there would have been a lot of discussions about trades. I know that we were all having a lot of DMs about trades that uh, have quietened down now, particularly after the second win against Miami and then this game. But, you know, your tide can turn in the space of, you know, four or five days. Four or five days ago, we were looking at each other saying, get Tyrese some help. Then we roll back into Miami a uh, couple of days in Miami, we clearly didn't uh, burn the midnight oil like I was saying we we may on the last episode. We went in, we smacked Miami in the face in their own home arena without our best player. And then we went home and we took care of business against one of the best teams in the league. So it's it's difficult. It's going to be an up and down year. We didn't know that it would be this up. I mean, 11 and 8, we're three games above 500, but in the context of the Eastern Conference, we're a really strong team at this point and our offense is historic. So it's going to be difficult. There's going to be a lot of growing pains. And I think we're going to be having a lot of like conversations off the podcast before having them on the podcast. So we don't go over. <laughs> it's a good thing. Our DMS don't make it on the uh, pace through episodes, yeah. mate. Um, yep. No, I mean, you said this, I think during the off season, it was going to be one of those years where you could hover five games above 500 one week. And then, you might dip below it a little bit. So, yeah, this is a young team. They're somewhat frustrating at times because, let's be honest, they don't play defense for 90% of games. Um, but then they, they come and have performances like this that reel you back in. And as Justin said earlier, I don't know if we've seen like the field house that loud in a long, long time. So just seeing the fan base get rejuvenated. You know, I said this, Tyrese since coming to, to Indy has completely done a 180 on this fan base. Like we were recording episodes depressed basically yeah. in 2020, you know, getting swept by the heat in the bubble. And it was Oladipo wants to be out asking teams to, to trade for him. So, you know, in the span of two and a half years, things have changed a lot. Yeah. That, that sort of 18 months between when we 
had TJ Warren's bubble game and when we traded for Tyrese were probably the most depressing 18 months of being a Pacers fan that I can remember. Um, and to that end, Justin, you're the most accomplished and the the man that spent the most time in India, Indianapolis out of all three of us. So I always throw you the hard questions. If the Pacers win this tournament, is it the greatest moment in franchise history? Oh, oh that's, that's really hard. And it's a great question. I, I thought at the start of the season tournament, I was like, this is such like a, a, a dicky idea. Players won't be into it. They're not buying into it. Like, had some players quoting it through social media in the offseason, being like, this is a joke. I thought it was a bit gimmicky. But, yeah, I was totally wrong. Like, Adam Silver's a genius. And they've taken some spotlight away from the NFL. You know, the whole yep. current thing in America is people don't start watching NBA until NFL finishes. But, um the viewership's up like 28% for these in-season tournament games. You can see today, you know, the crowd was rocking. I don't know if they win it all. I personally, I don't know what you two boys feel like. I don't know how I'm going to feel. I mean, it's not like the Pacers won the championship, the ultimate thing, but is it a little thing to have in your back pocket as a Pacer fan who we might not, you know, get the ultimate glory in our lifetime? Sure. I think it's fantastic. Like I was pumped today more than a regular season game. Yeah. Um, does this exceed the 2000 NBA Finals or any of the NBA Finals? Sorry, ABA Finals. Um, I, I don't know. I'm sitting on the fence. I, I do not know. In my lifetime, I'm, I, I don't think we'll have a better moment than if we win the NBA Cup this year, next year, whenever we win it. Because I'm, like, I'm all aboard. Hang the banner. Like, do everything. Like, the players get medals. The MVP gets a trophy. The winners obviously get the cup. Hang the banner. Uh, let's well, celebrate it. Yeah, I think as well, being the first one ever has yeah. that extra yeah. ring to it. If Pacers won it all in six years, it's a bit like, oh, okay. But to yeah. be the first one ever, if Halliburton is the first ever in-season tournament MVP, that's going to hold a special place in the Pacers fans' hearts, I think. And I think the Pacers... Pacers franchise and fans will have a reverence and love for the NBA Cup from now, from then on. I mean, you don't you don't have to sell it to Indiana ever to get ever again, and you also build a bit of an identity around the fact that you're really good in these sorts of situations, or you really you know you give it your all in the cup, um, you, regardless you, of how you're going. You're talking about a parade. I, why not? <laughs> I I'm telling you, everything. Do everything. I, this franchise has been the most mediocre up and down franchise the last couple of years. And across our lifetimes, we've had chance after chance after chance after chance to build around generational talents. We've been lucky enough to have Reggie Miller. We had Jermaine O'Neal, who finished in the top five of the MVP. We have Paul George, obviously, who was incredible. And now we have another guy. Finally, we have another guy who is in that stratosphere. And he's signed for another five years and, $18 $18 billion or whatever his extension was. And I don't care. It's an underpay at this point. He is everything that you want a franchise player to be and everything you want to watch um, for your ball club. This team was playing games in the mid-70s against the Pistons when Jermaine and Reggie were in their sort of their period pre-brawl. It was, you know, playing games in the 80s. Um with the Paul George, David West teams, it's it's consistently scoring over 120 points a game, Alex. It's the most exciting team I can ever remember. 
Yeah, I was going to add this one in as well. I'm scrolling through Twitter today and I'm seeing Kevin Garnett tweet about Halliburton. Yep. I'm seeing Kendrick Perkins tweet about Tyrese. I'm seeing random, you know, Twitter people with tens of thousands of followers who, mind you, would never even think about watching a Pacers game years ago. Now they're all saying, you know, this guy's must watch TV. The Pacers need to be on national TV more. So, yeah, it's funny how much it's switched up and. Uh, the other tweet I saw, which was funny, was Pacers are the number one league pass team. Number two who is whoever they're playing. And I think that's <laughs> the uh, most accurate sentiment about this Pacers team. Tyrese has done for this franchise what Dame did for Portland. Um, what you know, great players like Allen Iverson did for Philadelphia. He, he's made the franchise relevant. The number of national TV games that this team gets in subsequent years is only going to climb dramatically because their approval rating is going to be so high over the course of the season. Everyone's going to keep raving on about how fun they are to watch and how good they are. So I, I think we were talking about this, you know, prior to the prior to the show, Justin, and this is something we've spoken about over the years. The last guy to have a jersey in Foot Locker in Australia was Oladipo. Uh, and um, now we're staring down the barrel of Tyrese having his jersey in Fort Locker in Australia as well. I dare say it'll happen this season, if not in the off-season, um, when they change those god-awful jerseys that they sell. But um, this is what we've been waiting for as fans. We will gain more fans from the fact that Tyrese is on our team as well. Yeah, most definitely right. And, you know, I remember when I met Tyrese last year, I think I told this story. In the oh, podcast. humble brag. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. Alex will be there saying more stories when he meets him next year as well. Uh, but I, you know, we were post game in the kind of locker room and I just said to him, thank you. Cause I was like, look, watching, I said word for word, watching Brogdon and Sabonis play was so boring. Like, thank you for just changing the direction of the franchise. I said, even when you guys lose, you're so exciting to watch. And, um, you know, he took that to heart. I could tell he, you know, having fans say thank you, like your your boss was enjoyable to watch and yeah. their friends message me when the Pacers lose and I'm just like, yeah, look, they lost, but God, I love watching them play. Like they're so exciting and yeah, defensively, <laughs> they can do your head in a bit with open yeah. layups and open dunks. I Rebounding. think they give up the most points in the paint in the league and it's, it's frustrating at times, but I'd so much rather the current team watching day in, day out. Alex, you mentioned about the COVID days and, we used to record and my God, some of those games were so boring. It, it, you, we used to talk about it, right? It used to be a chore to turn yeah. on League Pass and watch them. And you felt like, you're like, what am I doing for three hours watching this team? Like, it's so boring. Whereas now it's like, yeah, look, they might lose. They might lose 150 to 140, but I'm going to get some exciting basketball. Yeah, those Nate Bjorkren days, that year was just uh, unbelievably tough for a fan and for, for a fan of a team that's always given its all and, and always been there or thereabouts. We've also spoken at length over the years about how we, we hate the term tough out. We've got a chance now to not be a tough out. We've got a chance to be a killer team that can outscore anyone on any given night. The great thing about this team is no lead, no lead is safe. You can be up 10 points. You can be up 15. You can even be up 20 this team will hang points on you in a quarter. Tyrese will hang 20, 25 points on you in a, in a single quarter, which he's done a few times this season. So no lead is safe. We can always get back into a game. Um, and, and that's probably the other thing, Alex, I want to bring up about this one. We got spanked by Boston last time we played them by over 50 points. It was embarrassing without Tyrese. 
And then we turned it around and we won this game by double digits. And that is just a testament to the way that Rick Carlisle prepared this team for the game and testament to the pride that this team has in how it's playing this season. Yeah, I don't want to be reminded about that first Boston game. We don't need to talk about that one. But uh, yeah, it's always good to see the team bounce back. And I mean, when you have like a 60-point turnaround because one guy got put into the team, I'd say he's doing pretty well. But uh, I want to throw this one to you, Justin. Where where would you have Tyrese right now in the MVP talks? Because I feel like, I know it's early in the season. People hate it to talk about it now, but he has to be at the very least in your top 10, right? Oh, yeah, top 10 for sure. I think there's a discussion going on currently, like, is he should he be shorter or more favoured for their most improved? But I think, no, like, mm. he's gone above that echelon of a most improved player. Like, MVPs aren't in the most improved category. You kind yeah. of take that leap. So that's where I'm at with him. It's like, no, I don't think he's a candidate for um, most improved at all. I think we're going to start talking about MVP and, you know, top 10 for sure. I think, you know, Jokic is number one with the statistics he's putting up. I think as of yesterday, he led the league in points, rebounds, and assists, which is just wild. It's basically like, you know, you could make the argument three years in a row now, fourth year, like he's just dominating the league. But um, it's the classic thing. Like we always say, if Halliburton was on the Lakers and they had the exact same record, Halliburton would probably be second or third favorite for MVP right now. Um, People are just, you know, coming on to Halliburton now. I know he, you know, betting-wise, he opened like 151 to one to start the year for MVPs down to like 31 to one. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd be shocked if he won it, but if he could somehow finish top five in polling, I think that would be incredible. I think they're going to have to get into that top four space in the East for him to have a chance to, to win it. Um, I think if they maintain their current position, which is above the play in, I see no reason that he can't finish top five because the amount that he means to the team is greater than the amount that, you know, other players, other great players mean to their teams. Like he means more to Indiana than Jason Tatum means to Boston. Uh, It's comparable with Joel Embiid, uh, for example, uh, the amount that he means to this franchise. Uh, It's comparable to Nikola Jokic, the amount he means to to the Pacers. SGA is another one. His team's obviously firing. Um, He is probably going to be right up there in voting um, through this part of the season anyway. So, uh, look, Alex, I, I really think he's a big chance of finishing top five as long as the Pacers can maintain that top six positions in the East and, and stay out of the play-in, then I, I think you'll probably get some token fifth place and fourth place votes in there and, and enough to get into the top five, which would be a wonderful achievement, I think. But also how good to have him as an all-star starter. Yeah. in When the game's in Indy, I mean... That would be awesome. Is he going to finish an all-star starter in the East? I mean, he's got to out-poll Dame. He's got to out-poll Brunson. And there's a lot of New York votes around. Depends where Jimmy Butler fits in, if he's a backcourt player or frontcourt. Spider is so popular um, everywhere in the world. Uh, Trey Young is really popular. So Maxi will be in there. Yeah, Maxi well, but... will be popular because Philly has a lot of fans. But I think he's a big chance to finish in the starting lineup. And I... I I would hope that Pacer fans are going to absolutely pound those votes and give him as many votes as they possibly can because uh, he deserves it. And I imagine there'll be a lot of casual fans that have seen this win um, and have seen tournament games uh, and potentially 
uh, upcoming the semifinals and the finals, and they're going to give him more all-star votes because of his performances, um, which is a pretty special place to be as well. I mean, I know um, potentially both of you guys are heading over next year across the pond to the US. Um, Alex, you're obviously heading over earlier in January, which is pretty exciting for you. And the fact that you get to see this guy in person um, is a real privilege for all Pacers fans, but particularly us that live halfway across the world. I can't get over this season, but I'm very much looking forward to getting over at some point to watch Tyrese Halliburton play basketball because he is absolutely incredible. Um, Justin, what about the rest of the team? Let's talk about that. We we haven't spoken about Obi um, a lot the last couple of episodes. He had a great performance against Jimmy Butler in Miami in that win. We've seen flashes defensively from him of performances that we didn't necessarily expect. I mean, if he can take it to the next level on that end of the floor, uh, watch out. Yeah, Obi, coming into the season, I thought he'd be a like, massive improver coming from New York. Like We all talked about his like, per 36 numbers and when he yep. started for New York and things like that. He's Like you said, he's kind of been hot and cold. I think some of it comes down to like situational game, I think. Sometimes Carlisle will just kind of bench him and not play him and then go small with, like, Naismith. But, yeah, you mentioned that Miami game. He he was terrific. Um, you know, yeah, guarding Jimmy Butler, I think he scored, you know, high 20s. Um, and, yeah, he was he was just amazing. Like, today, you know, 12 points in 26 minutes. Didn't really do too much. I'd like to see him rebound a lot better. His rebound numbers are quite low. Um, I think definitely coming from that Boston game where, it was, I think it was like 36 to 12 rebounds at one stage or something ridiculous. It's like, okay, Obi needs to crash the boards more. But yeah. overall, you know, fitting into a new team, I think he's a long-term project. I think he's really good in this team. He's great culture-wise. And, you know, we get some highlight reels with him and Tyrese. And Alex, we'll, we'll talk about the rebounding as well. We, we've spoken about it at length as a real problem for this team. They're 29th in total rebounds in the entire league. Um, and you compare that to some of their other categories. They're obviously first in points, first in assists, first in assist to turnover ratio, first in field goal percentage, top five in block shots and three-point percentage. So it's such a glaring deficiency in their game, the ability to grab the boards. Um, it was Bruce Brown and Tyrese that actually grabbed 18, boins, 18 boards between them in this game against uh, Boston. But I know that it's something we've spoken about at length, but it can't always be Miles grabbing, you know, eight to 10 rebounds a game. Obi uh, has to chip in and get up above that three into that six, seven range. Yeah, I don't know if I ever saw, uh, thought I would see the day where Tyrese gets 10 rebounds, to be honest. Yeah. But he was, uh, and I think he got him in like three. Did he get a rebound in the fourth quarter? Like he might've got one. I don't know, but yeah, he, uh, he had that triple double early in the fourth and, yeah, it's tough because Obi's instinct, I think, is always to run. Run. Yeah, yeah like his instinct is always going to be that fast break, which I understand. Uh, he had a couple of those against Miami where McConnell hit him late for that and one. So it works. But yeah, as you guys said, like uh, you can't have games where he's playing high 20 minutes and only getting three boards. There were times in that first half today where I think it was like miles against four Celtics players down low trying to get the rebound so i think it'll be a big emphasis and they did better in the second half i thought like miles did better uh everyone started to make an effort to, to crash so but i also think that's a, a thing with the guards like matherin has games where he rebounds really well and i think that's a big thing for him to try to stay in the game 
Um, you know, Justin, you mentioned that Milwaukee game where he had he had double figure rebounds that night. I think that's huge for for him to get into it. And then Bruce, yeah, eight today for Bruce. That's huge. So uh, the guards and and guys like Neesmith, along with Obi, I think it just has to be a collective effort on on the boards because it is a problem, like you said. Justin, you got to come on if we win the tournament. You got to come back on the show <laughs> straight after we win this tournament at the end of the week, right? Are you committing to coming on when we win? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, I will be very lit if they win. I think from here on in, the best possible scenario, like as a Pacer fan, you'd you'd want them to beat Knicks next round. So let's all hope New York beat Milwaukee tomorrow, and then yeah, a combination of maybe beating the Lakers. But I know We've got that to exercise could... our demons against LeBron. Come on, yeah, right. yeah. We, we I, I said. The per- at the start of the show, before you joined, I said the perfect end is beating New York in the semis and then beating LeBron in the finals. That would be perfect for this franchise. Yeah. I, it's funny as well. I thought just it could have been Indiana versus Sacramento and everyone would have talked about the trade. Yeah. Yep. I just thought it was going to happen. But obviously, Sacramento bombed out. But yeah, 100% I'll come back on. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm probably the most excited I've been as a Pacer fan in, in years. And, you know, that... It's not overstating the in-season tournament or anything like that. I just love watching them day in, day out. I haven't missed a game all year, and I know you two wouldn't have either. Um, it's an Never. exciting time to be a Pacer fan. And I think, you know, when we talk about them making some noise, I think in the next, you know, 12 to 18 months, they, they should try and make an all-in move. We're going we're gonna to make the most of Tyrese's um, prime. All right. Well, I'll leave that as a bit of a teaser for the next time you're on because we need to talk about what those all-in moves could be, but that's not today. Today is just about the fact that we made the semifinals. We're heading to Sin City, to Vegas for the in-season tournament semis. We will come to you after whatever happens in Vegas. Uh, It won't stay in Vegas. We'll be back with you next time. So thanks for listening to Pacer Roots.